Welcome to Community Association Car Chat. The number one nationally recognized community association video podcast. Join your host, David Velasco and Steve Roderick, advisors at JGS Insurance, a Baldwin Risk partner, every Monday as they catapult the multifamily industry forward by providing education and information about a host of topics that affect the community association world today. You can watch the show every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern live on LinkedIn or listen wherever you get your podcast as Dave and Steve give you your weekly dose of laughter and learning from the best in the industry. Let's get into this week's episode with our very special guest. Good morning. Uh, Wait a second. Where's Steve? Well, he just texted me. And he's giving me the lame excuse that his baby just got the stomach bug, so he can't make it. Anyway, so I'm glad to introduce our very lovely guest today. It is Julie Carter. She is the general manager of a community association, Lake Forest Community. Julie, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, about your community, where you're located, what do you do, and what makes you a, a very special guest for us today? Well, thank you, David, for having me. I'm sorry to miss Steve. So I'm a community manager in Southern California. I've been in the industry since 2003, so coming up on you know 20 years. I manage Lake Forest Community Association, which is 1,701 homes. We're located in Southern California. We have two lakes, we have forests, we have a large clubhouse with amenities such as pools, a lagoon, tennis courts. It's a pretty fantastic community. Uh, but I didn't start with on-site. Uh, my previous career, I was in portfolio management. So I moved my way up to on-site and uh, it's been a blessing. I've been with them for eight years. Wow. Yeah. This is almost like a little bit of a village that you're managing at this point. Yeah. I'm like the mini mayor. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So how's budget season going for your mini town of Lake Forest? Budget season's starting a little late this year. Obviously, you know, since COVID, we've all struggled with our budgets. In previous years, what we would do is we would look at an 18 month you know, trend, but now we're looking out you know, two, three years in the past just to try to figure out our expenses. And I, and I think that is you know, common for all managers. But uh, this year is particularly interesting because not only coming off of COVID, supply chain issues, um, but obviously nationwide dealing with the um, rapid inflation, um, Unfortunately, in the news, it's fire season. Now we're getting towards the tail end of fire season. How did it go about this year? Actually, I think we saw an improvement this year because we had really heavy rains. We we had an abnormally large amount of uh, rainfall in our late spring, which helped for the summer fire season. But conversely, we're going to be dealing with this within the next six months to a year because with all that rain, we had uh, just an explosion of growth. So that's actually a point I never quite thought about. What did you do in the past really to manage that fuel that might be on site? So we're lucky enough to not be listed in a fuel modification zone, meaning there are certain areas of Orange County that are higher fire risk zones. We're not, but we're nearby and we have a large eucalyptus forest. Our community has over 5,000 trees, uh, the majority of those being eucalyptus. And of course, eucalyptus trees are more flammable than just a standard tree. So what we had started to do is we started to partner up with the local fire authorities. You can go on their website and they've got fantastic resources, but really having 
uh, a fire authority representative meet with you and point out, hey, here's the areas, here's what you're looking for. Uh, you need separation. And that's what the fire authority is looking for is if there is a fire, they wanna see some breaks. They don't want dense material packed together. And so they're saying, yeah, keep your plant material, but have some separation. So I'd say for any managers listening, go to the OCFA website, you can download it. I've shared it with our homeowners and put it on our website so that when we let homeowners know what we're doing, we give them resources to say, here, look, the fire authority, here's what they recommend. Now, this one thing that struck me when I first met and we had this conversation that you were so proactive about these things and you, you've been on this for a couple of years now and your board seems to be doing a fantastic job. So we'll give them a little, little shout out right now for the board. Yes. But have you had to have like community association, like education session? How did that go to make sure that the, the owners like really got on board with this? You know, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I do have a fantastic board. Uh, they are very involved. Our membership really didn't fight us on it. So actually we had homeowners who were in the forest tracks who came to us and said, hey, what are we doing? So we didn't have to hold a town hall. We didn't have to sell it. But for communities that don't have the funding for that, uh, I could see that definitely being something to say, listen, let's do a town hall and let's invite, let's invite a fire rep to explain to the members, hey, here's why your assessments are going up. So imagine if I was to move into a community, let's say 10 years ago, and we did not hear quite as much about the fire on the national level. Not now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in a fire track. I imagine like the homeowners that have this situation, they got to be pretty stressed out comes the beginning of the fire season. Just like with anything, we do continuing education. So we have a monthly newsletter. We have a lot of resources. We we warn them ahead of time. So hopefully if they get that letter, they're not surprised. They, they know that they've been asked to take those measures themselves. And they also see the association doing it on our side. That's very good. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I think even from a resident or you know, an owner looking to purchase a home or a condo unit, like seeing how the communication has been going on big matters like this, it actually can have an impact on where actually I will pick where I want to live. Because if management's not being proactive, it, it definitely has an impact on that community and it's usually not positive. One thing I'm proud of is our community website and we post our newsletters. Uh, we have newsletters dating back to 2017. And so, you know, there's pros and cons to having so much of that open to the public, but I feel like for people mm -hmm. who are coming in, they can read those newsletters and they can really get an understanding if they choose of what kind of community they're buying into. Let me ask you one more question regarding your skills as a manager. How do you keep your residents cool headed it's interesting. I've never received any formal training on conflict management or mediation, but I feel like anyone in our industry, you learn that. And I, I pride myself on that and I pride my staff on that. And actually, I just wrote an article in our most recent newsletter and I nicknamed it Sense and Sensibility. And I pointed out to our members that this year in particular, we've seen a lot more conflict and homeowners are frustrated and the way that they're communicating with us and our staff is unacceptable. So I try to educate them on, you know, we appreciate when you're frustrated, but there are ways, there are avenues on how to, how to express that. And so our board's fantastic about having our back. If a homeowner steps over the line and they verbally abuse our staff, we call them to a hearing and we suspend their clubhouse privilege. So wow. we have a zero tolerance. We have a zero tolerance policy with verbal abuse to our staff. I absolutely love it. That is a policy that I think should be implemented like in everywhere, everywhere. Things that, that would be like some, some homework here that we could do 
in the industry to actually protect the manager and protect their, you know, mental health and, and way to make a living, you know? Absolutely. And I know mental health and work-life balance has been something we've been pushing for in this industry for a long time. And now we're starting to see the change. Uh, it, it's yeah. slow, but we're, we're seeing it, especially with Generation Y coming in. Uh, they just won't tolerate it. And I think, you know, for all the, the fun that people poke at them, the less people will tolerate this, the less it'll happen because you just won't find managers anymore. The new incoming managers just will not tolerate it. Whereas the old school managers like me, I've kind of gotten used to it. So I think it's fantastic to have a new generation coming in saying, no, that, that's not what happens. We don't accept being spoken to that way. And if it doesn't get addressed, we'll move on. Everyone's got choices. I, I agree hundred percent. All right. So now is the time of the show that we'd like to typically, that's a question Steve asked. I'm going to try to give him justice. So that's the time of the show is that we ask our guests to give a, a little shout out for someone in the industry or outside the industry that has been impactful to them in their personal life or maybe their professional life. Could be a charity, could be anything that's on your heart. So there you go. The mic is yours. Sure. I have to say my first shout out is to my family because they're very supportive of the challenging hours. You know, I wake up, first thing I do, you can ask my husband, I pick up my phone and I start answering emails. So even though I'm not physically in the office, I mean, work's getting done. And that's just, he's very patient. And I appreciate him and my daughter so much in, in having that patience. Uh, on the other side, the professional side, I have a staff of 28. My staff is awesome. I have a great management team. And with all the challenges that we've dealt with the past year, we've all really pulled together and we support each other. So. For example, I'm taking a 10-day trip to Vietnam next month, and I'm not worried at all because my support staff and my management team have got it. So anything that comes up, we cross-train each other. We have a weekly meeting and a weekly management meeting. So we all know what's going on. We all know we all can step in and support each other, and I couldn't do it without my team. They really are fantastic. Well, that is a very nice shout-out, and uh, we hope that you have an amazing trip in Vietnam. Thank you. So anyway, in the meantime, as you are going into your trip in Asia, maybe you can find a little something somewhere that you could bring back to help you with your tree situation because there is one animal that lives on eucalyptus trees. Do you know which one it is? Is it the koala bear? That's right. So maybe you can find yourself a koala bear somewhere. But in the meantime, we hope you all have a good rest of your week. And uh, let's get to work, Julie. We'll see you next right. time. Thank you. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Community Association Car Chat Podcast. The number one nationally recognized community association video podcast. Go ahead and hit subscribe to get the latest podcast delivered straight to your phone or tablet each week. And remember, you can watch us live on LinkedIn every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Community Association Car Chat LinkedIn page.